السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين We welcome you all to another session بإذنillah Today we will be going over the 23rd juz looking at three stories We apologize for yesterday we weren't able to save the live as well as take out the audio But بإذنillah uh, today we will try our best to get it and uh, just a brief recap, yesterday we went over three stories. We spoke about Sulaiman and how the jinn didn't know the unseen. We also spoke about the people of Saba, and we said that the people of Saba, they had a lot of bounties, but they were ungrateful. They didn't show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last story we spoke about yesterday was a man who came from the outskirts of the city, trying to call the people uh, to believe in the messengers, believe in their message, and ultimately they killed him and he was entered into Jannah. So that's a brief recap of yesterday. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you, Shaykhna? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm well. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, today we'll be going over the 23rd Juz, three stories, inshallah. When we look at this juz, we find that there are actually a lot of stories mentioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah As-Safat, towards the end or after a few pages, he starts speaking about the messengers. He speaks about Nuh alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa and Harun alayhi salatu salam, and many other anbiya. I think today we will touch on in Surah As-Safat just one story, and that is the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam and his son Ismail alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how after Ibrahim had left his people or he had left the place where, you know, he, he wasn't able to do things and he, he went out to another place. Inni muhajirun ila rabbi. All, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says that he made dua for a son. Rabbi habli min as-salihin. said, oh Allah, grant me a pious child. Allah Jalla wa ala then says, فَبَشَّرْنَاهُ بِغُلَامٍ حَلِيمٍ We granted him a son, you know, who was very clement and uh, he, he, was, he also became a Nabi. As we know, the two sons of Ibrahim alayhi salam, Ismail and Ishaq, they were both anbiya and this was a virtue and a bounty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had granted to Ibrahim alayhi salam. I think what stands out for me is, how Ibrahim alayhi salam moving from one difficulty where he's leaving a group of people, he then goes to another place, he makes dua asking for a son. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that he was given the son. Immediately after that, he starts mentioning a new test, a new challenge or a new difficulty we could perceive that now occurs with the son. So he is ordered as he sees in the dream. Remember, as we mentioned before, the dreams of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam, they had wahi and they were true. Today, if somebody sees a dream of himself doing something, you know, to his son or to this one or to that one, that is not revelation. So nobody can, you know, end up building or doing something, carrying out solid action against people based on their dream. So I think what stands out for me is Ibrahim alayhi salam, Yes, he moves from one difficulty, he goes away from it, he finds ease, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants him the child, and immediately a next test. And we find after that, another test. And this shows us that life, it's between ease and difficulty, it's, it carries on rotating. 
Yes, absolutely. Subhanallah. That's the nature of this dunya. And uh, I think we, we tend to be looking for that which is everlasting peace in this dunya, you know, and it's, it's, not, it's not there. You won't find it. We look for it. Uh, we think we'll find a uh, peace. We'll get to this point in our lives where we'll just be at peace completely and there'll be no tests, no, no hardship, no difficulty. Uh, I think a lot of us aspire to this, yet we don't realize that there's cycles of hardship and ease, hardship and ease, and that's the, the nature of the dunya. Uh, I, I think ultimately, you know, ease and happiness, everlasting happiness is for Jannah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَعَهُ السَّعْيَ قَالَ يَا بُنَيَّ إِنِّي أَرَى فِي الْمَنَامِ أَنِّي أَذْبَحُكَ فَانْظُرْ مَذَا تَرَى So he, he said that when he, his son was now of the age of, you know, he was able to walk, etc. He took him out and he says, look, I saw in my dream that I'm sacrificing you. So what do you feel? What do you see? How do you see the affair and the matter? So, قَالَ يَا أَبَتِ فَعَلْ مَا تُؤْمَرْ He says, oh my father, do that which you have been ordered and commanded to do. So we find that Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam is only asking him that, you know, what do you think about the matter? And he immediately answers with a certain answer. Do that which you have been uh, commanded to do. So it shows the level of iman that not only Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam had, but Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam also had this level of iman and belief and conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where he's willing to undergo the sacrifice. Um, and it's something that we can all learn from. You know, sometimes we're uh, being tested in a uh, small way, but we need to come out and say, Ya Allah, you know, the, I come out fully with full conviction and belief in uh, you and in, uh, you know, the fact that you will grant me the reward for this. So uh, I think that's something that we can actually learn from. It's ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him and he passed the test and he submitted fully to Allah. At times, we also find in our lives, yes, we're not saying that there's wahi or revelation, but we find that there's a test and ultimately the test or the difficulty you're going through, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing you to see, you know, how sincere you are. Are you able to leave certain things for his sake alone? For example, now we are fasting. We leave food and drink for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, not for anything else. You know, we, a person, his intention has to be for Allah, not to, to lose weight or to get on to, you know, get better health. So ultimately, this is a form of a test and a form of a trial where you are leaving food and drink. And it's, you know, to cleanse you, yes, spiritually. And also when it comes to your heart and your intention, you know, to uh, rejuvenate it and your ikhlas, your sincerity, so you can be attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Yes, absolutely. Uh, also, we find that Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam's actions and his behavior with his son uh, affected this son of his. Of course, uh, it was uh, at a very early stage when this happened, but the fact that he brought him up in such a manner that the son could respond in this manner. You know, he, ya do that which you have been commanded to. It shows us the tarbiya that Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam brought his son up with uh, such a strong, you know, tarbiya on the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where he's telling his father that I don't mind sacrificing. It doesn't matter. You know, an interesting point you mentioned. Some of the Mufassirin say that when Ibrahim alayhi salam, obviously he had received revelation and wahi from Allah, it was an order. 
So when he's asking the son the question, he's not really asking him as such, because what if the son says, no, don't do it. Rather, what he's trying to inform him of something that's going to happen, but in a different way, so he is aware. And I think sometimes or a lesson we can take from this is sometimes, you know, when it comes to your children, somebody younger, you want to do something, maybe it's going to be something big or something huge, and there may be a shock, and but you really need to do it. You don't need to ask them, but use a, you know, an uslub, a way of bringing your point across so they're aware of the situation before it actually happens. Yes, subhanAllah, that's, that's so important. Uh, sometimes if we, if we just spring something onto them, they can be shocked, they can react in, in the wrong manner, etc. So that, that's something, subhanAllah, we can really learn from. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks about Musa alayhi salam, he speaks about Yunus alayhi salam, he speaks about some of the other messengers. And then Surah Saad begins. In Surah Saad, Allah Jalla wa ala, he speaks about Dawood and Sulaiman alayhi salam, also Ayyub alayhi salam. But the very first story that goes into detail is the story of Dawood alayhi salam. Allah Jalla wa ala is mentioning an incident that occurred at the time of the Nabi, the Prophet of Allah, Dawood. Allah says, وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ نَبَأُ الْخَصْمِ إِذْ تَسَوَّرُوا الْمِحْرَابِ Has the news or the story of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam not come to you of the two who had an argument or they were debating and eventually they jumped over the wall to get to Dawood alayhi salam. They wanted somebody to judge between them. The Mufassirin have mentioned a lot when it comes to, you know, this, these verses. Some mentioned that maybe they were angels and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was trying to test Dawood alayhi salam. Others mention different things. However, what's important to remember, a lot of times when reading the tafasir, especially when it comes to the stories of Dawood and Sulaiman alayhi salam, there's a lot of you know, negative and bad things that have been mentioned, not in the books of tafsir, but people have taken it from Israeliyat, etc. So we have to be careful. We don't want to say something of a Nabi of Allah who was you know, the, be the best of people, the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam, and, you know, we say something that brings down from their level and their status, bearing in mind that there were people before who didn't really view Dawood and Sulaiman as good people. So it's important for us to mention that sometimes you may read something in, the, in a book of tafsir, but it's just mentioned as a story. You know, the Israeliyat, as we mentioned before, is that which confer, conforms or what goes according to what the Quran and Sunnah say. It doesn't contradict. Here we accept it. There's those things that go completely against. Here we don't accept it, we leave it. And then there are those things that are, you know, in between. It's neither this way nor that way. It's something permissible. What color was the dog of the people of the cave? Here we are allowed to speak. However, the scholars usually mention the Asanid, who they got it from. And after that, you know, they're just mentioning it. And then the scholars who come later on actually judge on this. So that was also allowed. And it's important to mention this, especially when it comes to Dawood and Sulaiman alayhi salam. Somebody was asking me the other day, a few days ago, when it came to the story of Sulaiman alayhi salam, getting the queen of uh, Bilqis, the queen of Saba, to enter into that castle or that fort made of glass. There's a lot that's been mentioned. Some of them say, no, the jinn wanted her. To, to do this or she had this, etc., etc., etc. We must remember that when it comes to a Nabi of Allah, any Nabi for that matter, if it's something that's not befitting of the status of Nubuwa, of prophethood, then it's not befitting for us to mention such things in the first place. 
getting back to this story, these two people, whoever they may have been, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said two people came and they jumped the wall. If the sawwar al-mihrab, they then told Dawood alayhi salam their problem. One of them begins to speak. He says, Inna hadha akhi. This is my brother. Lahu tis'un wa tis'un na'jah wa liya na'jatun wahida. Taking the verse as it is apparent, he has 99 sheep and I have one sheep. And he told me, he's trying, he's persisting for me to even give me that one. He has 99, I have one, and he wants that one also. So Dawood alayhi salam, he judges between these people. You know, he, You've basically oppressed this person by trying to get that one sheep also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ الْخُلَطَاءِ لَيَبْغِي بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضُ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَقَلِيلٌ مَّا This verse always stands out for me when coming over the story, when going over the story. Whether it's from the saying of Dawood alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, you know, acknowledges the statement as being correct. Or it could be from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself saying this, that when it comes to partnership, most partners, they oppress one another. Except those who believe, do good deeds, and you must know these people are very few. When it comes to yourself going into a partnership or a joint venture, if you can avoid it, avoid it. But it's not haram. If you need to go into it, then you must know how to choose your partner. Try and you know, try and choose a partner who has belief in Allah, because ultimately, if he knows that there's a last day, there's a day of qiyamah. He fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not really going to cheat you when it comes to your money or anything else. الصالحات, they do good deeds. مَّاهُمْ And you must know that these good partners are very few. Yes, subhanAllah. I was going to touch on the same point. Uh, it's amazing. Something that really does stand out. Uh, you know, what, what uh, comes to mind is the statement or the saying of the of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which he says ana thalithu sharikain hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he says that i am three of uh, the third of three partners ma lam yakun ahaduhuma sahibah as long as one of the partners does not cheat his uh, partner so if he cheats him then I leave that partnership I come out of it completely so the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or in whatever way this is to be interpreted but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with them uh, the minute that one of them cheats the other Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves that and he discards them leaves them to their to, to their own uh, you know affairs so to speak so most partners, they will, you know, transgress against each other. They'll try and cheat each other. They'll try and deceive each other. Why? Because we all know that in business, uh, a lot of people, uh, the goal is to make as much as money as uh, as much money as possible with whatever means possible. It doesn't matter whether it's halal, it's haram. It doesn't matter whether I'm cheating or deceiving the next man. As long as I make money on this deal, this is what matters. So uh, I think that's where there's there's so much that we can learn from that. You know, partnerships generally, you could say, uh, are are not the ideal thing to get into. You want to try and avoid this because most partnerships will bring you problems. Uh, but if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you, 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 you are doing good deeds or the person is doing good deeds, then you can actually enter into that partnership. It may end up being uh, beneficial. 
Yes, as we mentioned that, you know what, we're not saying it's haram. We're saying that if you want to go into a partnership, a collaboration, not only in business, some other project, etc., uh, you know, choose properly, choose wisely. Don't just get into it so quickly. And usually you'll find that at the beginning of these partnerships, because both of them are not established. Remember, if one was already fully established, he wouldn't really need the other one. Same with the other party. If they were on the top, they wouldn't need. So it's usually they start at a time where people are both in need, or this one may have wealth, the other may have status, or vice versa. So one needs something from the other, and you can only get to that goal if you go through this person. So a lot of times people just say, yeah, yeah, and they jump in. You should take your time, think about it, you know, ponder over it because the, all these partnerships, you know, within a little while, you end up seeing problems. Every partnership, I mean, if you want to look at marriage as a partnership also a, for a bond, you find that there is no marriage that is free from problems. And this is somebody who you're living with the whole day. So if that's the case in marriage and it's normal, it's part of life. You will also have problems when it comes to businesses and when it comes to other joint ventures. So it's important to be careful and to know who to choose and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you know you get into the correct partnership with the right person. Yes, and uh, also being content with what you have. This person has 99 you know, sheep and he's asking for the one that this guy has. Uh, you know, how much more do you want? This is the nature of the, the, the son of Adam, like... Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us that if he had one valley full of gold, he would want two. And if he had two, he would try to get a third valley full of gold. So here he has 99 and he's asking for the one that this guy has. Uh, he wants to make it 100, you know. So it's, it's important to just become content with what you have. You have uh, 10, 15, 100. Alhamdulillah, you're happy with what you have. Don't look at what others have. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what you've got. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give more. Yes, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all goodness. In the same story, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after Dawood alayhi salam gave judgment, he says, Basically, Dawood alayhi salam knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had tested him. Basically, he made istighfar. He fell into prostration. Or he, in his salah, he made the prostration. Some of the mufassirin mentioned that one of the reasons why Dawood knew that this was a test, or he realized it was a test, and he made istighfar, was because he had judged without listening to the other side of the story. So he had one person saying that, you know, this is my brother, he's taken everything. So he immediately gave judgment without waiting for the other side to speak. And I think, again, that's a very important point. We touched on it, that if you're judging between the people, or there's a problem, and you call to be, you know, the moderator, mediator, you have got a job to listen to both sides. Don't come there with your bias already. You have to be impartial. Listen to what everybody has to say. As you mentioned before in the story of Samiri, even though he did something completely wrong, Musa salam still gives him a chance to speak. What's this, O Samiri? You know, what's your story? What do you have to say for this? So it's important to hear all sides out. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, 100%. Moving on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks about Sulaiman alayhi salam, and then he speaks about Ayyub alayhi salam. Two different stories mentioned one after the other. I think just looking at these two stories as a whole, some of the scholars mentioned that when pondering over 
the fact that is it better for a person to be tried and tested and his patient? Or is it better for him to be given everything, all the bounties, and he is grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Which servant or which slave is better? Is it the one who's going through hardship and his patient or the one who has ease and bounties and he, you know, he's grateful? They mention a lot. And one of the scholars he mentions in the books of Tafasir, you can go back and see it. He says that after pondering over these two verses, I saw that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he praises Sulaiman alayhi salam because Sulaiman alayhi salam was given everything and he was grateful. Ni'mal abd, innahu awwab, you know, what a wonderful and great servant and slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, always turning back to him in repentance, in worship, etc. Also, when it came to Ayyub alayhi salam, who was given the, you know, the most difficult of tests, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also praises him, Ni'mal abd, innahu awwab. Then he says that from what I deduce, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he praises both. And for me to have afiyah, to have everything, to have bounties and be grateful would be better than being tested and going through, you know, being tested and being patient. Yes, a person doesn't choose what they go through. But sometimes people think that, you know, you're looking at people going through difficulty and you going through ease. And you think, oh, the only way I can attain good deeds is if I have calamity in my life and I'm, I'm going through difficulty. No, there's also another way of looking at it. There's a whole different dimension to it. You can be a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is grateful as Sulaiman alayhi salam was. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ni'mal abd, he praised him. Or if you're going through difficulty and you're patient, again, Ayyub alayhi salam, Ni'mal abd, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised him. Wow, what an amazing uh, analogy, subhanAllah. So, and it's a powerful lesson derived from this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't require us to put ourselves through uh, difficulty or hardship. If you can have it easy, alhamdulillah, thank Allah. And uh, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised him with the exact same words, ni'mal abd, innahu awwab. So it's it's amazing, yes. Uh, you know, Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where he's been afflicted, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, urkud birijlik, you know, strike uh, with your with your leg uh, or your foot, هذا مغتسل بارد وشراب. So strike with your leg. This is a something that you can water, that you can use to bath, basically bathe. مغتسل بارد وشراب. It a a cold water, and it's something to drink. You know, maybe perhaps we can deduce from this the benefits of. Uh, bathing or bathing with cold water, drinking cool water. It doesn't have to be cold, but cool. You know, that which comes from the ground. Maybe there's benefits that can be derived from this health benefits, etc. You know, uh, today uh, we find the doctors and the, 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 the healthcare specialists, they tell you to bath or shower in cold water. So it might benefit you, it might help you, it boosts your immune system, etc. Maybe we can deduce this from the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. You put it so, you know, properly where, you know, maybe we can deduce this. And why we mention maybe is because when it comes to science and that, it, it carries on changing. So if you find, for example, today they've got a certain fact and then people then go and interpret the Quran according to this fact, so to speak. And then 10 years later, it becomes common knowledge. And then 10 years later, 20 years later, they find something new. 
then what happens is that people then start doubting the Quran. They say, no, the Quran said this. No, the Quran, the Quran when you look at its love, or when you look at the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention, you know, excess detail in a lot of things. He mentions what needs to be mentioned. People then go and try to derive, yes, there's that which is correct, that which may be incorrect, that which we don't know. Why we mention maybe, maybe it, it, it may be true, but if it's not true, there's nothing wrong with the Quran, but it's rather because, you know, somebody tried to uh, derive this and later on they found something different and later on they might find something different. So I think it's important to, in fact, we have to believe in the Quran, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as is. Yes, it's nice to get, you know, certain fawaid or health benefits. Some people mention how the fruit is always mentioned before the food. And this shows how, you know, it's a health benefit to eat fruit before food. And Allah knows best. It's something that's been deduced, whether it's 110% correct or not. Wallahu alam. 100%. Yes, uh, the, the deduction may be wrong, but uh, of course, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is never wrong. Uh, so that's something that we should, uh, yes, we should mention, and we firmly believe in that 100%. I think that's uh, so important, especially in today's world where people now uh, start looking at, you know, different scientific discoveries and start saying, okay, so for this reason, the Quran is right, and for that reason, the Quran is correct. Uh, yes, if it has been proven, alhamdulillah, and that's good and fine, but if at some point that scientific uh, discovery is proven wrong, then we don't want to say that the Qur'an is wrong, your deduction is wrong, or your understanding was wrong of it. Yes, and sometimes also when it comes to the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, I've heard some people mention that, you know, he was uh, vegan. So they say, and we are vegan. You, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he lived at a time where, at a certain time, there was difficulty when it came to food, as Aisha radiallahu anha says, you know, months would go by, there was no fire lit because we were only living on dates and water because there was nothing to eat. Do we say that he said, be vegan and you must be vegan? No, there's also other hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, if I'm not mistaken, one of the two, or maybe both, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after, you know, the, the lands had been opened and there was victory and he was granted certain things from these uh, the treasures, he would have the food for his family for the whole year. He would be able to store it. What food it was? But we know the Messenger وسلم, also ate meat. So for us to then say that he was vegan, so we must be like this or we must follow this diet, I think that's, that's a bridge a bit too far for somebody to go down. You know, tomorrow they find something wrong with this diet and the whole diet thing is, it's like, there's a lot of differences of opinion and it obviously comes down, boils down. Everybody is different. You live in a different place, a different climate. There's so many things that can be mentioned. The people, they themselves, they differ amongst themselves. What's good to eat? What's not good to eat? So when somebody comes and says the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam was vegan, for example, and then let's say they find something wrong with this diet tomorrow, or they say that it's not the best. No, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he also ate meat. He also did this. He also fasted. So don't try, and you know, sometimes we want to make Islam seem appealing to all. So we take certain phrases or what's going around and try to apply it in the Quran and Sunnah. As we mentioned before, this type of deduction or this type of istimbal, you can say maybe, Wallahu a'lam, 
Another thing, was he like this by choice or were circumstances, you know, forced at the time where they had no food? So it's, it's important to remember all these things. Why? Because three, four, five years later, a certain point you've been pushing, the so-called research comes and it goes against what you said. Now people start shaking. But the Quran said this, but the Sunnah said this. No, the Sunnah and Quran didn't say that. It's a person who deducted it and this could be right or this could be wrong. Yes, absolutely. You, you put it so rightly there that, uh, you know, people start deducing things and based on what's happening, they, they take something, a trend that's going around. Oh, so now there's, uh, you know, vegetarianism or vegan or whatever they call it. Now you've got to be vegan, you know, because in the Quran it says X, Y, and Z. Or Rasulullah, you know, he did this in his life. So they're using circumstance and then deriving from the Quran based on that. Uh, whereas if you just look into the Quran and read into it, and perhaps you come up with certain, uh, you know, benefits from it, Alhamdulillah, that's good and fine. Uh, but like we said, of course, the Quran remains one and correct until the day of Qiyamah, it will be correct. And we believe in it fully in every word, every letter. Uh, we don't uh, deny any of it, subhanAllah. So whether science remains the same or not, you know, we, we believe that the Quran is one and it remains the same. And one of the miracles of the Quran, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is when it comes to you know, detail, specific detail. You find the Quran doesn't really go into specific detail until, uh, unless it's needed. Even the Sunnah, Islam as a religion. So you find that there are rules that have been set out. We've mentioned before that the, with the verses of halal and haram, as well as uh, the hadith ahkam that speak about halal and haram, you're probably not going to get more than 500 to 1,000. That's all. But what happens between day-to-day -day lives, in your day-to-day -day life, so many different things may happen. So there's not enough nusus, there's not enough uh, ayat or ahadith, but rather the, the framework is there, the principle is there, you then go and get your ruling. So what I'm getting to is that, imagine, just imagine, it's not the case, but just imagine the Quran says, you know what, everybody has to eat this food in the morning. People may be living in a place where they can't eat that food. That's why it's a set Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us rules and principles, yes, that govern our lives when it comes to our ibadat, our worship, when it comes to our normal, you know, interactions with others, when it comes to our business dealings. More than that, more than that, it's then the halal and haram aspect is then derived or deduced from it or extracted from it. However, now if somebody comes and says that, you know, everybody must fit this certain, this certain framework, they must eat only meat, for example, it's not applicable to everybody and the Quran didn't say that. So it's important to mention this and to also realize why is Islam applicable everywhere and from, you know, every, every time, from whether it was the previous generations or in the future, that's one of the reasons. The framework is there. It's solid. But every specific detail, you know, when you, uh, I don't know, when you eat, you must eat this. I think maybe we're hungry. It's Ramadan, so we carry on saying food. But if you eat, you must eat this specific food. No, rather everything was halal and things that were specified that are haram were haram. So Allah said, don't eat this and don't eat this and don't eat this. As for everything else, it remains halal and you find that it's an encompassing rule. Yes, I think try, trying to generally, trying to add certain trends into Islam because they're part of our current day-to-day -day lives or they're part of our the trends in our time. 
is a wrong ideology, you know, altogether. You shouldn't try to add it just for free because it's part of uh, the trend that's going on. But rather it should work the other way. You look into the Quran and whatever agrees, we'll take it. Whatever doesn't agree, we won't take it. You know, we'll, whatever goes against the Quran. So you use the Quran as a principle, not where you, you use that as the principle and then try to apply it into the Quran and take it and, you know, bring it into the, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, rather, the, the, word, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supreme. You put it so rightly, a trend, a trend, it goes up and then it, it dies out. And also not using something else, as you know, the principle and then trying to justify it or find it in the Quran. No, it's, it's the opposite way. It works the other way around. And we're not saying that, you know, there, there may be things that we, where we, the world we live in today, whether from the Quran or the Sunnah, we are able to take certain fawaid or certain pieces of benefit. We're not saying it's not there. It's possible. The Quran is the word of Allah. It is a miracle. But what we're trying to say is your, your yardstick or your measurement shouldn't be trying from there and then you try to justify it here. No, your framework is here. Your principles are here. Then whatever agrees, you take it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Sheikh, is there anything else you'd like to mention? Allahi, Sheikh, and I think we should call it a day. Inshallah. We apologize for yesterday. I think after I left, I didn't share the... Well, I didn't save it, but I think I had new options. Maybe the app updated. So, inshallah, I hope to save it today. Inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah, it should be saved. Inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. Inshallah, we see everybody tomorrow. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.